Here we sit, enjoy the shade. Hey, brother, pour the wine. Drink the drink that I have made. Hey, brother, pour the wine. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Drink in the Style, brought to you as always by the District of Dinah and Habitation Design, two of the coolest places in the Twin Cities, if I may say so. I'm your host, Gregory Rich, and I'm going to help you kill your early evening with some booze and conversation. Tonight's theme is one of my favorites. It is art, original fine art, with a twist this time, because we are being joined by none other than the esteemed Chicano artist, someone blazing a new trail in the art world, Mr. Jimmy Longoria. Jimmy, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. I'm On really... this great day. I mean, you picked <laughs> a really good day for it. We're sitting here, we're, we're recording this on, on Tuesday, uh, which is the day that the storm of the century is hitting Minnesota. And uh, having lived here almost 30 years, I can say almost every storm they predicted is the storm of the century. But this one, they're saying maybe legit. So I would say, uh, Jimmy, you got to make your way all the way back across town. So uh, that's a dangerous voyage. And I'm sure all of your art collectors are going to be watching very carefully to see if you're safe or not. Well, I, I know some of them are hopeful. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, just recently this year, we, we bumped our prices up uh, a 1000 bucks, and they're going like, are you not feeling so well? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And you've got a ton of art here at the district, including yes, in I your do. gallery. So uh, actually, I shouldn't say that. There are only two pieces you ever left here. All the rest disappeared mysteriously. We're okay with that? Uh, well, of course. <laughs> There's Damn nothing thing. better than disappearing art. <laughs> exactly. No, this is going to be a fun conversation because you are doing some really exciting things. And uh, I can't wait to tell people about them. Great. Our... In-house coctologist today is someone completely uh, new behind the coctological desk, but a former guest of ours, the lovely and wonderful Marina Anthony is here. Marina, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm very excited to mix these drinks today. It's going to be fantastic. Marina, of course, is with EXP Realty. She has been a guest on the show previously, so we thought, you know what? we got to bring you back, and this time you can do a little bit of mixing. So, Marina, tell me, what is it that we're making? Well, today we are making a special drink. It's called Tokyo Longoria. It's a Jimmy's special here. Um, and it's uh, a mix of uh, Japanese whiskey and some specialty sumo orange and a pinch of spices, a pinch of uh, red flake peppers. This is going to be fantastic. That is going to be love, really good. I love putting pepper in cocktails these days. I don't, I mean, do you, anyone know when that started? Has that always been there and I just didn't know? Well, or? you know, nowadays they're putting pepper into baby food, so Seriously? it's a growing trend. Really? No, yeah, chili has caught on. In the last 30 years, they've been putting chili everywhere. Something tells me this has been 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 done by people who haven't had to change diapers. That is, well, no. <laughs> On the no, other no, hand, no. you certainly know you don't have to question it. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you've ever had to take care of a toddler, chili used to be the way to deal with gumming. You know, when their really? teeth are coming in. You rub a little chili and the kid cries for about 15 minutes, but then it's over. Interesting. Who, you know, after that, they don't care. My grandmother huh. used to do the whiskey on the finger. for That's that, what for I was going to say. Well, see, I heard that, tequila. That's, that's the inspiration here. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, we're going to be doing the Tokyo Longoria, which is going to be a fantastic drink. So... Mm -hmm. 
why don't we start our mixing music? Johnson's going to hit that. And Marina, start us out. All right. So we're going to first squeeze half of the sumo orange juice in each glass. And these sumo oranges, by the way, if you guys haven't seen them at the grocery store, are amazing. Jimmy, you said they're available only between, what, January and April? That is correct, yes. And it's really fascinating because they were invented in Japan by a crazy man. And okay. uh, he didn't want pits in it. He loved uh, tangerine, but tangerine has the tendency to go all over the place in terms of um, sweetness. Okay. So he stabilized that and bred it by hand. And then got it going, and being a good entrepreneurial Japanese, he exported it to California, where all the products for Japan are grown, which is one of the funny things. But um, True. And now uh, it's taken off. It started out, man, you were paying like five bucks for one orange. That's a spendy orange. It is. Yeah. But it's it's really, really special. It's, it's a difference. It's uh, So he actually created his own oranges. He, his own that is, yeah, that, that's, that's amazing. So the sumo oranges, again, fabulous aroma, limited time only on the shelf, yep. and, uh, and now available as a cocktail garnish or a substantial part. So where are we, Marina? Okay, so now we got that orange juice. Now we're going to do the magic of the red pepper flakes. Which is fabulous. So... Juice of half so, an orange. Jimmy, how? Just a pinch? Is that? Just a pinch. Yeah, it. it that would do, do what it. it does when when the acid in the orange hits the pepper flake, it just blooms, and it's a very subtle flavor. And then we let it settle a little bit, and then we're going to add the ice. Rocks are important. Got to both for dilution and also for opening up the the the, the flavor. You love how I do these little colorful add-ons. During the mixing, <laughs> I, well, yes, I think it, it, that's it. Sorry, that ice has been in there a little bit. Has it like slightly melted and become a little bit uh, of a single chunk? I've moved in my yeah. office from having just straight whiskey and liquor to actually having a little water and ice on the side. That's great. Thank you. I'm very it, proud of myself. I mean, in, in celebration of Minnesota having 16 degrees, I think. That's- <laughs> Environmentally identification. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Okay, so we've got the ice, we've got the OJ, we've got the chili, chili flakes. And now we got the Japanese whiskey, and we're going to do a generous pour of three ounces. All right, so three ounces, and we are using the Suntory. And uh, Suntory Japanese whiskey, by the way. Reasonably priced, 40, 45 bucks a bottle. And, I mean, a really nice, lighter whiskey. And, Jimmy, you said that is the most important part, right? Yes, it is. I, we, we were in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fun thing is we had, before we went to Tokyo, we had sampled, uh, we were, you know, we'd already done all the sake thing here in Minnesota and then said, like, to a, this restaurant we went to, I said, well, what else is there? And then he said, you got to taste the whiskeys. And we tasted the whiskey. And we went, oh, great. And we went there at the train station. Okay. They have the supermarket attached there, and they sell liquor in the supermarket. Civilized. But, you know, you talk about moderately, you know, reasonably priced. It was 12 bucks over there. Are you serious? Yeah, I was very serious. I was going, how many can I fit in my pocket? Oh, my God. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it, was, it was really, really good. And uh, so, yes. Now, and, and they, they, they have exported it now, so we get it around here. 
But it's really, like you said, um, the idea that their whiskey is that it has this lightness, mm-hmm. and because they they drink ritualistically, mm-hmm. and that's become the mm-hmm. generous dose. It's not a two a two shot; it's a three shot. You can run with you can run with more liquor because it's going to not be as overwhelming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So what next, Marina? I think we're the final step where we're going to infuse the rim of the glass with some of the oil of the skin of the sumo orange. Fabulous. So what we're looking at here, once again, is basically three ingredients on rocks. We've got the orange, we've got the whiskey, and we've got a little bit of the crushed red pepper. Yeah. And that's a Tokyo Longoria. A spicy Tokyo Longoria, if I may. All right, fantastic. Beautiful. It's... uh, it's nicely healthful looking. Oh, you've got that. Are we gonna toast? All right, and we're gonna give it just a little taste. Well, you want to give it a little thing and, and uh, a little yeah. whatever, and then Johnson, of course, will have our traditional swallowing music. Let's give it a try. That is a complex flavor. That is a really complex flavor. The whiskey clearly shows through. It's bright. The chili pepper actually takes almost a second roll, but it almost charges up the citrus more than fighting against it, doesn't it? Yes, because, you know, it opens up the pepper flake. And, and by the way, we sorted out the number of seeds. I learned that when I was in Japan. They use chili, but they take out the seeds, and they use flakes for just a, a little bit of after flavor. Really? Yeah. Oh, I like it. And no, so this, in, is, in this, this is, I can see myself starting out a healthful breakfast with this. <laughs> well, yes, you know, for, for a few months, and then, then I'll get back to you because I'm, I'm tempted to do it with, with grapefruit. I'm not a grapefruit guy. Well, Too much acid in grapefruit for me. Well, there, there's a there. I'm from Texas, mm. and in Texas they have the Texas Ruby, which is no longer marketed as well. It kind of doesn't make it because the outside is kind of ugly. Okay, it, it gets bruised easily, mm. but the inside is pink. Mm-hmm. And it's sweet. Mm-hmm. And I grew up uh, on a farm that we grew that. Okay. So, yeah, but I'll find some and, and I'll get back to you. All right. We got a follow-up show yeah. ready. It's great. Salute. I like it. <laughs> it's got my endorsement. All right. Let's start talking about your career, Jimmy. And actually, no, wait, wait, wait. Let me back it up. I mean, yeah. Marina, I mean, what a what a jerk I, am I that <laughs> I haven't even done a proper asking of questions overall. What? Let's Let's do this. Tell me this. It is now late February. Mm-hmm. In the real estate market, how have things been looking? Um, things are looking... They, they, they have been changing the last few weeks, let's say. Uh, we started in January very slow. It was very slow January. Within the last next uh, 15th... Well, 15th of January, we were running into multiple offers already. Okay. And uh, that has been the case uh, as of this week. We are still seeing the same situation. Uh, so pretty much the same shortage of homes that we were seeing last year is still happening. And even though we, the number of listings increase every day, we see them going up every day. But still, there are certain areas, cities that are uh, sought after. People are have their eye on those cities and we are into multiple offers. Interesting. So the the fundamentals, interest rates of course have gone up, which was expected to cool the market substantially. Mm-hmm. Um and it and it must have a little bit. I mean, you know, it's still mm-hmm. interest rates, but 
regardless, the inventory is still extremely low and there are still lots of buyers out there. Yes, that's the case throughout the country, actually. Really? Inventory is low. Fair enough. Same. What do you think is the hottest part of the market in the Twin Cities? Uh, in the market, here in this area, we see a lot of people looking in cities like Eden Prairie, Apple Valley. There are certain pockets in Minneapolis, like maybe Northeast. Mm-hmm. Um, Bloomington is always, uh, because of the location, proximity to everything. And uh, airport, that's another area. There's a lot of people looking in that area. Uh, Richfield. Okay. So pretty much uh, the, the first circle of suburbs next to the metropolitan area of Minneapolis and St. Paul, those areas, that that first ring is still hot and there's uh, not that many properties out. Fantastic. All right. Good to know. Mm -hmm. Greatly appreciated. And once again, by the way, plug your site again. How do people uh, take a look at some of the stuff that you're doing? Um, Yes. You can find me at Marina Anthony Realtor in Instagram and in Facebook at Marina Aguirre Anthony or International Home Partners. Perfect. All right. Outstanding. And you cater, of course, to Spanish speakers, but you will work with Yes. We, we have time. a bilingual team um, from A to Z. We have uh, lenders, uh, realtors, uh, title companies, everybody who is bilingual, Spanish and English. So we can help every client that is looking for great service. Fantastic. Fantastic. Again, recommended and appreciated. Thank you. Thank All you right. for having me. <laughs> of course. Um, Jimmy, now, let's talk art. I love art. Let's talk art. Well, let's talk about how you came into art, first of all. Have you always wanted to be an artist? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Okay. You, you, know, I, you I wanted go, to be a dentist. Uh, no. No, 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 no. It's, it's really good. I'll give you a quick little bio thing. I was born in 1954. Oh, my God. That's a long time ago. Mm. But 1955, I was born in South Texas. The sign came out that said, no dogs, no Negroes, no Mexicans. Mm. And at the time, if you were anyway suspected of being Latino, Hispanic, didn't matter if you were Cuban or Puerto Rican, you were a Mexican. Mm-hmm. And it was a very hostile environment. Now, I'm unusual in that my family were landowners. They were farmers. And that sign had a a terrible effect on their business because they couldn't go into the little restaurants and stores that populated all of South Texas to sell off the glean, which is the when a farmer makes a crop, the majority of the crop goes to the grocer and it gets shipped to Minnesota. Mm -hmm. But before and after, there's a percentage that ripens and you want to sell that locally. Well, they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So my grandfather said, you know, we're going to take this kid. And I was a toddler, 1955. Okay. They said, we're going to make this kid the champion. And so what they did is they invested in my education. I, my first reading was reading encyclopedias. I didn't get the cute little children's books. I got the old encyclopedias. And uh, by the time I was eight years old, I was a brainiac. Mm-hmm. And uh, my family had to move to California because of a Minnesota... Um, clipper that brought the weather that came down and destroyed the orchards. Mm. Hence my fascination with citrus. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, there's a connection to that. Um, and But when we got there, uh, it was at the time of the boom, because this is at the point that the Vietnam War is moving on to munitions that are uh, rocket-propelled, and Southern California was making rockets, a very dangerous place to be. But we arrived there, we were enjoying the economy, um, and there in California they had a strange... A system of education called the mentoring. Um, I'm sorry, mentally gifted minors. They would test every third grader, 
And then if you tested a certain way, they put you in this program and they super riched your education. Mm-hmm. I qualified. I became this kid. And then what progressed on that is that uh, I was found in the program. I got super rich education. You know, it's, I went to the art museums. Okay. Uh, I get to go to lectures. I, I read about art. I understood art, uh, but from a distance. When I got to high school, there was a group that came in and said, we think you could be a, a politician. You could be oh, the first okay. Chicano governor of California. Huh. Pretty heady stuff. Has My there parent, been, wait, has there been since then a Chicano governor? I, that's the, the, the beauty. I mean, let, let's jump through. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry. For years I went, and then they even told me what college I was going to go to. Okay. Um, I was a governor scholar, which meant I could go to any university for free. Oh and in California, it was part of the system. Uh, the problem was that my mentoring group said, no, no, no. We need you to go to a, a private college so you mingle with all the rich, influential kids. Mm-hmm. Because in politics, that's what you need. This is true. Yeah. And so they sent me to the, the Claremont Colleges, and I made contact. Now, the problem was, in that training, I had an annual exercise. When will you be governor? And every year I kept answering, not in my lifetime. Not in huh. my lifetime. So, yes, you jump to the get The punchline is there still isn't one. Yeah. And in part, it has to do with the peculiar nature of Latinos in the United States. We come in all kinds of flavors with different backstories, and we don't, we're not homogenous. Mm-hmm. That's the exciting thing. Mm-hmm. And hence, you know, the, the chili thing. Uh, Puerto Ricans and Cubans do not eat chili. Fair. Do Argentinians, <laughs> no. Marina? No? No, nothing <laughs> <Okay>. spicy. <laughs> okay. But, you know, the, the Mexicans and all the other sort of regional uh, thing, uh, anybody that's tied to an indigenous culture uses chili as a, a primary flavor, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting because it develops. Anyway, but <laughs> I was a Fair. freshman, and I had to do something to talk to my circle. Yes. And I told them, you know what? I'm not going to do this because it's not going to happen no matter what. And they argued. And I said, no, no. I do the numbers every single year. You <laughs> got me trained. I'm never going to make it. So what I'm going to do is do something else. Okay. And so I decided that what I was going to do is become the Chicano artist. Now, back to the question of did I want to. It was an intellectual decision because what I did is I surveyed all the art departments in Southern California I called up the head of the art department and said, like, are you receptive to the idea of a Chicano art curriculum? Uh-huh. The answer was no. The disclaimer was, you will never be a separate category in art. You're mm-hmm. just a temporary social-political uh, illustration of uh, activism, which is going to change. Mm-hmm. Remember, this is the 70s. We're coming out of the... Um, Vietnam War and uh, the the crazy division between liberals and and Republicans, which is uh, the as, first as great generation as it's been until now. But yeah, keep going. they said no. But I did a spreadsheet, and at the time, uh, in California, the average household Latino household made thirty five thousand dollars. That isn't a lot of money, and so California when you look especially. at it, that art is a luxury. And if you budget 1% of their income, that isn't a lot of money. So I, I, I did enough research to find out that I wasn't going to make any money in my lifetime. <laughs> and hence the joke here. They're all waiting for me to die. That's yeah. correct. It's true. But it's luckily true. Here, Have another drink before you drive home, will you, Jimmy? That's exactly <laughs> it. Hello, folks. This drink. 
is an insurance policy that my art will appreciate. <laughs> now, it's true. interesting because year by year, uh, I've been practicing, and, you know, 24 is going to be a really cool year because it represents uh, half a century of me working. Wow. It is a wow. Do you have a concept that you're going to implement? Anything that really is different that commemorates this milestone? Well, you know, part of it is you're, you're now my conspirator in that. Fair. Okay. It's because not the first time. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, how I came to, uh, in 1988, I moved to, to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And I had a plan that I was going to come here, work for five years on perfecting what's called a hand. Okay. In painting, and we're, and we're talking just painting, you can tell a painter by their brush strokes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Because anybody can fake the look of a thing. They can easily reproduce your signature. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what they can't do is the uh, idiocentric brush stroke. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so what I did, and this is back almost in, immediately, I said, okay, that's the key. And I've been working. Now, in 88, when I got here, I was already accomplished. Mm-hmm. I made a major mural in 1979 in Chicago, uh, which was hated. The, the Mexican community hated it because it was too weird. Mm-hmm. It was too far out. Mm-hmm. Um, but they got over it 10 years later, and they called it the Great Mural. 20 years later, they call it the Mural in Pilsen. Mm-hmm. And today, Pilsen is a community that has tons and tons of murals. All over the place. But even the, the, the best Mexican artist there says he takes people around to it and he saves it for last. And he says it was ahead of its time when it was made, 1979, mm-hmm. and, and it still is. And so that's the key to, to, to understand that I'm an intellectual mm-hmm. artist. I don't love the process. Okay. I mean, a lot of my fellow artists are in love with the material. Like, they'll, they'll splash and they'll have to... Me... Every time I encounter a new material, it's agony. Because where is this material going to go? What am I doing with it? How do I make it historically significant? Mm-hmm. And you know, downstairs, you can see I have a combination of painting. So you can see the hand. Mm-hmm. And then the 3M material. And that's exciting thing. Which is exciting. You're exactly right. Um, so we met at a, uh, an event here at the district, which was a, uh, a Chicano art exhibit it was uh you luis and maria i believe correct Mm -hmm. um and you brought in not just some of the pieces that you've done and and one of the things that's so difficult i should probably very quickly what's your instagram handle in case anybody's out there and has their phone nearby uh i'm I'm looking at my wife and (laughs) she's in the corner all right we'll be coming back to that in just one second no 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 but but the thing is uh, uh, the best thing is to go to jimmylongoria.com, and then the little buttons at the top will get you anywhere. Fair enough. Fair so enough. That, that's the way to get to me. And, and the interesting thing, uh, my wife, who is my Mrs. Tamayo, which Tamayo was a famous Mexican artist who said that Mexican art had to be international. It couldn't be a nationalistic art. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, famous for making luminous paint surfaces. Interesting. Uh, it's really, really different uh, than the, everybody knows Diego Rivera, and they now know Frida Kahlo, and sort of that is the center. But the the coolest thing is Tamayo was the first artist to go to New York City and say the future of Mexican art is being international, mm-hmm. and a lot of Latin American countries and the artist communities there 
latched onto that. So now we have a very exciting time in Minnesota. It's a great time to be a Latino in Minnesota. You got to come here and buy a house. <laughs> well, there it is, and we know someone who can certainly help you with that. Yeah, but the, the, the interesting reason is that the Mia just hired a couple of curators. One is the Latin American um, uh, curator for Latin American art, mm-hmm. and a little secret: there are a lot of Minnesotans that have been quietly buying art from Latin America, and they have it, and they're buying art that is collectible. So, the new executive director. At the Mia is from Texas, mm-hmm. from San Antonio, Texas, and she's <laughs> familiar done. with the whole uh, emergent thing about Latinos. And it isn't much of a flavor, except the chili does help. <laughs> <laughs> chili helps everything. Yeah, um, but the thing is exciting, you know. And and what I when I'm downstairs, which you've let me keep in there, mm-hmm. is if you go in there and see, uh, I'm, it's it's an essay on moving forward. Mm-hmm. I'm always working 20 years ahead of myself. Fair enough. And it is. And, and just, just for listeners, again, so at the district building, you have a beautiful uh, uh, diptych, as they might call two-piece, uh, beautiful, uh, uh, large format uh, piece that's hanging in the governor's lounge. And then, of course, on the main floor, we have set up essentially a gallery installation for you where you are showing both your... Acrylic? Is it primarily acrylics? When you're... A, acrylic, yes. Yeah, acrylics. And then, of course, the 3M product. And yeah. we, haven't, we haven't been able to really describe that. But essentially what you're doing is you're layering, uh, in a multimedia sense, various uh, uh, cut pieces of the 3M uh, surface product. Does yeah. that sound it, right? It, yeah, that's correct. And it, it almost became an ethnic joke because um, I was invited by 3M to go and do a painting demonstration to the Latino staff. Mm-hmm. And they have something like 2,300 uh, Latino uh, employees. Mm-hmm. And they're all affluent and highly educated and kind of real high-powered people. Uh, they asked me to do something on 3M material, and I jokingly said, I can paint on post-it note. And they said, <laughs> Fair. <laughs> they said, no. We mean something else, and then I asked them, and they, they didn't have a clue. Uh, but I did find out that they're in the amazing company we have here. Mm-hmm. The, the street signs are yes. all made by 3M. 3M is everywhere. Everywhere. You can't, you know. But anyway, I, I, I said I can work with that material because they make it in eight colors. The mm-hmm. green and the white, which we see on the freeway. Mm-hmm. But they have all the other colors. And they pointed me to this guy named Scott, and Scott teaches everybody how to apply the material. So Scott says, you want to do what? I said, I want to work with this stuff. He says, no, you don't. It's a pain in the butt. It's very expensive. You need special equipment to press it onto aluminum, and so you don't want to do that. He says, here, you need to do this. And he held up a big manual, about three inches of samples. Okay. And he said, this is what you want to work with. And I looked at it, and it was... 2,442 different materials mm-hmm. that are basically wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're designed for redoing a building. So the next building you buy, mm-hmm. you want to put that stuff on there because it's amazing. Uh, and then they also make the material that goes on your car. Okay. Uh, all the, the films and yes. the things that yes, you yes, use yes, by yes. the graphic Like community. that matte finish that, that people are so excited Every, about. Yes. They make it. Uh, and, and ironically enough, it's manufactured in Latin America, and <laughs> it's designed uh, by the Japanese in Japan. 
Okay. And most people do not know that 3M is like a seven-headed monster. Oh, absolutely. Is a, yeah. They're different. They're, they're the same company, but they have different zones. Indeed. And there's competition. But I did a piece for them using this material. Uh, it was really challenging because, the, uh, you know, it's a three-inch folder of that. Yes. It's a four-inch folder of spec sheets. And that you cannot do this. You cannot do the I. You can't. And the thing is, I'm the kind of artist that if you tell me you can't do something, <laughs> it's always the case. Tell an artist no, and watch the the, watch the brilliance. Do it. And but it, what you've done is you've taken again. So so it is a variety. I mean, it's it's it. You are layering reflective, non-reflective, cellophane seeming, solid seeming. Uh, pieces and creating visual images. Yes, that is is amazing, and, and that's the part that got it. That's I mean, three awesome. took notice. Now it was one of these sad, sad stories because the Latinos <laughs> were all waiting for the piece that I did to go into the area where they all hang out. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge campus, and they have mm-hmm. different cafeterias. Mm-hmm. Latinos all hang out in one place, uh, and they wanted it there. And I was excited about that because it was going to be loved. Okay, uh, but it's also a, a multi-layered corporation, and pretty soon the head of the marketing for this material saw it, and he told my wife, "It's not going over there. It's going to go in the front door, and we're going to change the wall, and we're going to put it there and give it special lighting." Now, it's as an artist, it. you're going like, "Yes." yes, <laughs> yes. And is it still there at this point? No, they took it down. No, okay, Even better. The next day, as I'm putting, because I was excited, I said, going to go there. I was finishing touches and making sure everything was stuck down. And um, the person who sponsored me at 3M uh, got a phone call. And ran through. You know what? We, I'm, I'm getting a sign from our producer here. We need to take one quick little break. I when love we it. get we back, cliffhanger, didn't we're we? gonna, I know it is. It's a cliffhanger. And then we're going to talk about the, about the legislature and all these other amazing places that your work is. But before we do that, let's take a really quick break. Once again, this is Gregory Rich on Drinking the Style. Stick around for just a minute or two, and then we're coming back, and you're going to hear more about Jimmy Longoria's masterful mastering of the Minnesota art scene. Stick around, folks. Desi Arnaz greets us as we return to Drink in the Style. You know, love Desi Arnaz. Great musician, truly. I have mixed feelings on Babalu in general because my brother, who is my older brother, used to hold me down and then just smack my ass endlessly like a pair of congas screaming Babalu. So it... 
it's, it's slightly problematic for me. And incidentally, my father uses Babalu as his password for almost everything, but he spells it his own special way, so you guys can't hack in. I am Gregory Rich. This is Drink in the Style. It's incoherent ramblings. However, we are joined by a an artistic visionary, if I may, <laughs> Mr. You. Jimmy Longoria. Uh, and we were talking about this amazing piece of art that you created before the break. So those of us who have been with us are probably wondering what's happening with that piece right now. Well, it was interesting because there was a real suspense. It was a real drama because the expectation was that it was going to be a comforting piece for the Latino employees at 3M at yes. the corporate headquarters. Mm-hmm. But what happened, as happens in major corporations... First, the marketing person says, no, we need that piece at the entry to our business building where all our vendors will see it. And then it was all set to go. I mean, they were going to invest more money in doing the build-out to install this thing than they paid me, which I I took offense. But (laughs) what happened is that overnight, somebody higher up. It's a story of big fish eating little fish. Somebody up higher up said, no. This piece goes into the Innovation Center. Now, the title of the piece is the 3M Latina CEO. So it's political. Oh, interesting. And they put it into the Innovation Center, mm-hmm. which at the time, the Latino employees all said, oh, we don't get to see it. <laughs> Once again, the what? Latinos lose. They <laughs> lose. Snatched by the rest. It was, it was really, it was one of those things. It was kind of, for for me, it was one of those. Wow! I finally got it into you know you have an art piece mm-hmm. in a collection, mm-hmm. and now the three M art collection is huge, yes. but it is generally the collection of uh, artists who have had their zenith. Mm-hmm. And in my case, even though um, you know I've been working at this for a very long time, uh, Latino and particularly Chicano art is yet to be discovered. Agreed. It took last year when Cheech opened up the Cheech collection at the Riverside Art Museum in Southern California. And I should jump in very quickly here. We are actually talking about Cheech Marin That's of Cheech right. and Chong. He's actually led a huge revolution in art collection in California, that is, right? He, that's the big news. I mean, if you were going to ask me what's new, I said what's new here is that suddenly uh, my email and my phone has gone crazy with people from galleries and agencies who are saying, we would like to represent you, Mr. Longoria, mm-hmm. to which my response is, thank you so much. Um, my, my response is, where were you 10 years ago? Yeah, right. And what's exciting is that an artist really, art has moved. Uh, it's very difficult to run a gallery, mm-hmm. as, as you know. I do. And uh, you wait for the sales and you got to do the turns. It's a brutal industry. Mm-hmm. However... Uh, what's changed is that people stalk us. Collectors stalk me. Mm-hmm. And then the opportunity. And hence, you know, our relationship where, you know, I'm going to tell them, get on the airplane. If you're from Houston, get on the airplane, son. <laughs> come up to Minnesota in the middle of a storm. <laughs> you can come to the district and I'll show you what you need to own. And, it and is that's true. where we are. I mean, it's a fascinating time. And, it is, and then it's really important. I mean, that piece is there, and it's really cool. Uh, we went and visited it, mm-hmm. and the, the the person who guided us, the, the 
the tour guide for the innovation center. It's exclusive. You have to get an appointment to get in there. Really? Yes, you do. Okay. And they installed it. It faces south, and uh-huh. it faces the, the bucolic scene. has huge windows in front of it, and it's really fantastic because he says, and we appreciate it because it changes through the day. And that's a fascinating. The thing is, um, a little bit of, of history. When Pence came to Minnesota mm-hmm. during the height of the COVID thing, yes. oh, his yeah, photo op at 3M was in front of the piece. Really? Oh, that's fantastic. That's I mean, it's relatively fantastic. I mean, well, it's complicated you know, on many, many levels. What did they but, say? But being, <laughs> but being within, within that space, and, and I, I also want to point out, so yes, it would be great if 10 years ago these people had come out of the woodwork and been willing to help you, but of course everybody wants to jump. I mean, I mean at this point, I mean, you're in Cheech Marin's private collection of I art, am. correct? Private, private, not in their public, because he, he started out, he built the collection based on California artist. And mm-hmm. it was really funny. When he came to Minnesota, he said, you know, I can't put you in the show. And I said, that's okay. I don't care. Uh-huh. I'm from Minnesota. We don't do that. We don't want to be flashy. Mm-hmm. But my art piece is in his office. And so I, I haven't told him what happened. Since then, Sonia Sotomayor oh. has my art piece in her chambers. Really? So I, I'm the only Minnesota artist that's in the Supreme Court and it's interesting. When we shipped the piece to her, um, it did not go to her. It went to the Smithsonian. Okay. So I got my fingers oh crossed my God. that that piece, when she retires, will be going to the, the Museum Smithsonian. of Latino American. So you need to get your art into her actual house uh, in order to make That's sure. That's not a problem. Because <laughs> i, I got to tell you, when she came to Minnesota, she was invited by the Hispanic Bar Association. And they had set up an event. Mm-hmm. And they were all excited. They were in a room. And we were told, Connie and I were told, that we could sit in the back and wait until after she was greeted. And she spent 15 minutes with all the the Latino lawyers who dreamt of one day pleading a case. Uh, She says, "Uh, where's the artist? And it was incredible because we jumped up there. And she's hugging me. And we're talking about the art piece. And I, at point, I said, and this is about artists, the kind of artist I am. I said, Sonia, not Supreme Court. <laughs> you said, seriously called yeah, her Sonia? I did. I did. I said, Oh, Sonia, my God. <laughs> I think they're all waiting. And this is the, the part that I really, she looks at me. She looks at and smiles at them. It was very nice. She smiled and waved. She says, they're just lawyers. Oh, really? And, and this is about, you know, except one of the things I wanted to stress here. It's a great time to be an artist because art is actually moving beyond wall decor. Yes. It's I, becoming a currency, and that's the important thing. It's, it's really difficult. Uh, the people who are very wealthy in Minnesota are the, f- the really smart people. Mm-hmm. They've decided that, uh, oh, I can buy real estate, and it's, uh, if there's a lakefront, it's really valuable, mm-hmm. uh, but it's at the mercy of the market. They, can, uh, they have money managers, and they're putting all their money into the market. However, that fluctuates all over the place. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about art it's becoming an international currency. So my goal, my responsibility to my collectors is to make art pieces that are collectible. Mm-hmm. And my wife puts red dots on the best work. Um, pre-sold. Pre-sold. That's mm-hmm. correct. And you have to really work hard <laughs> to, to get it out of my <laughs> wife's really hands. <laughs> I mean, truly. We had somebody that came to the house and said, okay, how much is this? And I said, 15. And I said, well, will you take 7,500? My wife says, no. 
I'm going like, wait, seventy five hundred dollars. I know. <laughs> I can buy a lot of Every canvas. Every artist in the world is willing to compromise because you love sharing your art. That's you true. Want it there, I want it in their home. That's but why we wife, need the Connies my wife and said, the Gray. You don't understand. This piece is, and I, I, I shut my mouth because I learned from from a master, uh, Rufino Tamayo. He said, always have Mrs. Tamayo make your decisions. So my yes. wife makes all the decisions. When you say, hey, Jimmy, can you do? That? It's like. It's not me. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Connie. As you should. But it's 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 funny because um, it's it's an interesting time. It's very hard for me to get comfortable mm-hmm. that suddenly every scrap of paper mm-hmm. is worth money. I mean, yeah. I, I had a reputation in the Latino art community for destroying art. I make a hundred pieces and destroy ninety. Interesting. You know, they once said that the difference between, this is before the digital age, but the difference between a professional photographer and an amateur is the size of their waste paper basket. That's right? exactly right. And you have the same concept applied to art. You will simply throw to the side, or I would assume paint over, the canvas, uh, which is always delightful because it lends layers of, of curiosity to future historians. Um, but until such time as you have achieved what you want, you're perfectly happy throwing that piece aside. Yes, and it's funny because right now I've got a, a peculiar problem. Um, an original Longoria, basic Longoria, is five grand. Mm-hmm. And most Latinos can't see themselves spending that money. Mm-hmm. But what I do is I loan it to uh, nonprofits. I loan it to elected officials. Really? In Minnesota, oh. we do not pay our uh, elected officials enough money for them to buy art for their offices. Mm-hmm. So I loan it. In fact, uh, when we get back from Mexico, I'll be delivering a whole cachet of art to the capital to the Democratic senators, and I'm not going to discriminate. Any Republican who's interested, I will also loan in my art. Fair enough. And you already have some pieces, though, also in the legislature, as we've talked yes. about. In fact, whose office was it that you had? A uh, well, you, your own senatorial representative, uh, Melissa Franzen, started the whole thing. Yes. When she first got elected oh, eight years ago, she said, I want a piece. And I salute, and, you know, I went like, oh, you need some flowers and stuff. So I showed her some flower paintings. And she said, no, 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 no. I need something more. Uh, and she's a proud Puerto Rican. She okay. went and she found this one piece that was really intense. And she put it behind her. And for eight years, this piece was behind her every time she contacted her constituents. It's really? amazing. That's, now, she retired. And so, but before she retired, she took another piece and she bought it, and she took it home. Did so. she? Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's hanging in there. I mean, so the bottom line is that, to a great extent, the pieces that you're creating, and I wish we had more time, because one of the things that's really so unique about what you're creating is the style. I mean, there is, and, you know, I don't want to be in any way, you know, typecasting, but there's a certain Mexican style of art that people are accustomed to seeing. Yours is not that. You're integrating the colors that are often popular within that culture, but you're applying it to canvas in a very, very different way. We only have a couple of minutes, so let me ask you this question. When you approach a canvas, if you're not doing a 3M material or something like that, (laughs) if you have simply the acrylics, the paints in front of you, what are the first couple things that are going to go through your mind? Well, the first thing is, what is this going to look like in 20 years? Because I, the discipline I practice is every time I make a new piece, I look at what's it going to do in 20 years. And it's interesting because what has happened is I lose my current followers. Who, mm-hmm. If you're used to a Jimmy Longoria from 20 years ago, you're kind of taken aback by what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. But that's what an artist is supposed to do. 
is to constantly make you feel uncomfortable. And Some kind of an emotional effect. It I is. mean, and does it have know, to be uncomfortable, seriously? Do you yeah, think? Yeah, it is because, you know, a big major collectors in the art world do not buy what they have already got. They go in there and they very quickly go and say, I'm uncomfortable with this. I need to buy it. I have to live with it for a couple of years. And then they put it back at, at Sotheby's. And, and that's, that, that's the next thing for Latino art. Latino art needs to move from comfort mm-hmm. to challenging mm-hmm. and to becoming, because remember, art, American art is becoming a commodity. And then after a commodity, it becomes a currency. Mm-hmm. And right now, the global situation is dollars used to be the magic measure of wealth. Well, if you watch the art market, because I read all the uh, journals, mm-hmm. um, Across Europe, they're all panicking because people are buying art as if it was an investment. And so suddenly art is not what it is. It's money. And unlike money, as everyone says, a dollar bill won't kiss you back. A piece of art will. It will bring joy. It will bring happiness. It will bring experience. And and it will bring appreciation overall. Jimmy, this has been a fabulous conversation. We're going to have to make sure we bring you back on that. Okay. But here's the thing. Very quickly, we said Jimmy Longoria dot com or Jimmy Longoria art dot com. Jimmy Longoria dot com. Okay. And people can see all of your piece or a number of your pieces, examples of your work. Then also here at the district, we have a tremendous amount of your work that can be viewed and people can reach out to you through your webpage to schedule? Yes, but they need to wait a couple of weeks because I'm going to be in Mexico City. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Visiting the pyramids. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> just, I just want to say something amazing. here. The beauty of our, of our uh, drink maker, thank you very much, <laughs> uh, is that that is the future. Um, the, what's Minnesota is like, very exciting because we have the highest concentration of corporate executives besides New York. And it, the, the beauty of the Minnesota mystique is you can't tell them because they're real modest. But they're bringing in Latinos from all over the, uh, all over the American continent. And what they're going to do is they're going to change the art market here. Because mm-hmm. okay? mm-hmm. I'm already trying to figure out how to connect with all of this. Co- and it's it, all the major – you just named – let me just name three companies. 3M, Target, and Cargill. <laughs> Those three, three companies – are fully invested in combating the China assault on Latin America. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones who are going to bring their culture, and it, it's here. So here we have junior executives who need to go and, and be your customers in, in, in buying a home, and we want them to stay in Minnesota. <laughs> Fair and true. All right. So there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Jimmy Longoria, art growing ever more popular, a fine investment. And you can actually talk to the artist as well. And he's got a little bit of a cough, by the way. So uh, this may be useful. (laughs) Thank you very much, Jimmy. All right. On behalf of Habitation Design and the District at Dinah, as well as Marina Anthony from EXP. Very quickly, Marina. Give one piece of advice in real estate. Um, earlier, um, Jimmy, you mentioned being at the mercy of the market. I would say do not be at the mercy of the market. Contact a professional. We can guide you and give you the steps and when and where to do it. Beautiful. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my closing quote is from Rumi, who is a, a Stoic philosopher from the East. If you chafe at every rub, you will never be polished. 
Thanks, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great week. Talk to you next time.